Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Jessica Garbarino. Jessica, are you ready to do this? Yes. Awesome. Let's do this. Jessica is the founder and owner of Every Single Dollar, a company dedicated to helping single women navigate the world of personal finance. I'm excited to have you on. Jessica, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, um, as my kind of company talks about, I, I focus on single women because I am a single woman. So I'm single. I live in South Florida. Um, I decided to start every single dollar as a way to help other single women learn about money the way that I learned about money, um, kind of share my experiences. Um, I got out of $56,000 of debt. I became completely debt free and I want to help other single women do the same thing. So um, really kind of my work has evolved from my own personal background and personal experience. As the best things oftentimes do come out of tough circumstances and then the ability to take that and to teach and to help other people is an awesome, an awesome thing, certainly. So, um, well, tell us a little bit about the, the, the challenges, I guess, that, that are maybe unique to single women or some of the things that they need to be focused on. Well, there's there's kind of a like I call it the three pillars of singles and finances. And I, I, again, I especially talk to women because that's who I am and that's who I know. So the first paradox that I talk about is or I, I talk about three pillars, but the first one is a paradox. And I said, I say that you get to make all the decisions about your money and you get to make all the decisions about your money. <laughs> so it's kind of a double edged sword. Right. So like it's great you have this freedom to make all these decisions with your money but you also have that weight and that burden of making them those decisions all on your own so it can be a real paradox a double-edged sword of having both freedom and the burden of doing both so I try to walk women through how that has to work and how they can handle it because it can it can feel overwhelming especially because we haven't had a lot of generations of women who have handled money um, in a household or even on their own so that's one thing I like to, to talk to them about. The other thing um, I talk about, too, is um, protecting your income. I'm a big advocate of having long-term disability insurance because of the fact that, as horrible as it may sound, if, it, if you die you know, and you have life insurance and can cover final costs, at least there isn't any ongoing costs after that. Where people don't really understand is the vulnerability you have being uh, long-term disabled, where you can't go back to the work you were doing and you may need medical care the rest of your life. So protecting your income with long-term disability is another one of my big pillars, especially when you're single and you don't want to be a burden on your family um, if something should happen to you. I had an experience with my uncle who was just in a pretty severe car accident and um, it's it's all reinforcing what I teach. And then the third thing also is to... Um, to make sure that you have someone who will um, take care of, of you or your things when you're gone, right? So if you should pass away or if you should die, you should make sure that you have power of attorney, someone you know in line that can take over and knows where all of your 
um, financial information is should something happen to you. Again, being a single person, I don't have anyone that I live with. I don't have children. And so um, there's no one else except me who knows where all that thing, those things are. So I need to make sure I have someone else who knows where those things are and what my final wishes would be. Um, so those are the three really big things I talk about, especially when um, you're single managing your money. Got it. I think that those are, are are great, and I think that they are extremely, extremely important and probably not talked about enough. So I think that that's great. Um, interesting, the, the, the whole paradox about it's great that you get to make all the decisions, but it's maybe tricky because you get to make all the decisions. Um, <laughs> but but I, I think it's, it's 100% true, and it's also a reality that there are not that many generations, and these are generalities, and I, I, I appreciate that, of women that have been completely in charge of money. So right. um, how, 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 how do people receive that? Do you ever get pushback? No, I actually, I have a lot of people that agree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to go very, back very many gener- generations to see that. I mean, in my own family, I actually have, um, I kind have a, a disagreement between both because I have one grandmother who was in charge of all of the money mm. because if my grandfather had, they would have been living in the poor house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those were also the grandparents that were immigrants and had to start over from scratch in their late 30s. Um, in the United States. And then my, my paternal grandparents, my grandmother didn't know how to balance a checkbook when my grandfather died. She had never done that in her entire life. And she was 70 years old as a widow. So I have two very extreme examples in my own family from that generation, what you would kind of call that World War II generation Mm -hmm. um, of how they handled money in the family. But I would say that the men handling the money was definitely is definitely much more of the majority than the minority, and I, I see that when I talk to anybody. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I think it's certainly accurate, and from my personal experience, my my mom was a school teacher, and my dad was an attorney, and they split up when I was five. And I know that she struggled for a long time because she had never never had a lot of experience handling money, and eventually got it figured out. But it certainly wasn't easy. So. So I appreciate that very much. Um, your point about protecting your income and the importance of that, for sure not enough people talk about that, and it's such an important thing. I mean, people don't think things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're living and breathing on this earth, something's going to happen at some point. Maybe not to the extreme where you're going to need long-term disability, but I've got, a, I've got an uncle right now sitting in a hospital, a rehab hospital, that six weeks ago was in a major car accident on the turnpike. Never thought in a million years he would be in that position, and he's now getting long-term disability insurance um, because of it, um, or he will be on that path to having it because he'll be still out of work for a few months. Um, so it is. It's important to um, to make sure that you're covered because if that should happen, like I mentioned before, it sounds terrible that if you die, you know, people are going to be sad and things are, you know, final costs are going to have to be paid, but it's really actually being injured permanently for the rest of your life. That's a bigger financial burden on people than sadly passing away. Um, and so how do you do that? Like, I don't want to put that burden on my family to have to foot medical bills and, um, personal, 
bills, you know, someone would have to, you know, if I was at a point where I was in a hospital bed, like someone would have to attend to me, pay for home health care, whatnot. And you don't want to financially bankrupt the rest of your family. So I've even gone so far as to get my own private um, long-term disability plan so that I make sure that I'm, I'm really covered. Yeah, I don't think that people think about that enough. And the consequences of being disabled are incredible, which is to, to your point, 100%. And I, I, I heard a great, um, a great analogy or metaphor for it at one point. And they talked about how we protect all of our stuff. And that's the equivalent of ensuring the golden eggs, but we right. don't actually ensure the golden goose. And that's what oh. we really should be ensuring, right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I may, t- I may use that. Please, please do. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I think it, it helps people to, to, to sort of frame it. So, cause it certainly is the truth. So, and then the final one of naming a representative who can, um, who can make decisions on your behalf. Um, if you're incapacitated about your health care and, and your financials, and those are that that's not a hard thing to do and probably a lot of the time it, it wouldn't even cost you any money just a little bit of time so well and the other thing i will point out about power of attorney that we've found out with my my uncle is that you really need to have someone who can handle a lot of change who can handle a lot of things being thrown at them so don't just pick somebody because they're you know your best friend or you know favorite niece or nephew i mean you want someone who you can obviously trust, but you also need someone who can handle a lot of that stress and who will learn to delegate out certain things to other family members. Because as we found with my uncle, with, with the POA he selected, she's getting very overwhelmed and it's a tough task to undertake. And make sure you discuss it with that person too so they huh. know because they have to sign off on it as well. Uh, it's a big undertaking. No, no doubt about it. So, well... When should people start thinking about this? Oh, yesterday. <laughs> they, I mean, I wish I would have started thinking about that kind of stuff when I was 18 because I don't think it's it's too early to talk about it. I don't think it's too early to talk to your parents about, um, you know, what their final wishes are. I mean, uh, thankfully, I've had good conversations with my parents because of what they've gone through with their parents, um, you know, becoming getting older and passing on we started having some of those open conversations and it's uncomfortable. Like nobody wants to talk about death, right? Nobody wants to talk about tragedy, but if you don't have that game plan ahead of time, it's going to cause so much more havoc later on when emotions are running high and people are getting at each other's throats. And if you have a really clear laid out plan, it takes that whole stress of it off of everybody. So you're actually doing your family a huge favor by talking about a lot of these things up front. I think that that's a great way to think about it also because it can certainly be a major burden of time and and financial resources as well if if you don't have anything in place. So Mhm. Absolutely. Why do you think that why do you think that people are struggling financially? And I unfortunately I, I don't know whether or not women or single women are are sort of proportionally struggling the same way that the rest of the general market is? Well, I think right now you see with a lot of millennials, especially you see the student loan burden. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to pay student loans back and you're trying to rent your first place and you're trying to, you know, (laughs) pay your regular bills, 
it's tough. It can be a really hard balancing act. And I think that's why you've seen a lot of millennials boomeranging back home because they're, they're burdened. They're feeling the weight. Um, I'm a little bit older. I was, I'm at the tail end of Gen X and our biggest issue was credit card debt. And I, I had a lot of credit card debt at one point. <laughs> I think my highest ever was probably over 20,000. But when I started my debt free journey, it was probably about 14,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think it's tough because I think people get overwhelmed. They don't think it's surmountable to get a handle on their finances. And honestly, sometimes you just don't even want to know how bad it is. Sure. Because you're freaking out thinking it's this bigger monster than it may be, or you're underestimating and you're too scared to see what the number actually is. Um, so I think there's a lot of fear. And I think that first step of just taking a look of where you are right now is huge because if you don't have the knowledge, you can't move forward. Um, but I think it's, it's a lot of the issue is just this culture of borrowing. I mean, we're in this culture where we just want to borrow on everything and anything. I mean, I've seen all kinds of weird ads to finance everything, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is why I drew the line in the sand. And I said, I'm just not going to do that except for I have a home mortgage. I'm actually in the process of, of getting, um, with no credit score actually. Um, so it's, it's, it's a mind shift that has to take place. And I think, I think again, because women haven't had a lot of role models of, you know, women and generations of women, or even just being approached and being taught how to handle it, they panic and then they, they just don't know what to do. I appreciate that. The old head in the sand or just paralysis and, 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 right. and, and, and nothing happens. So I think I saw, or I don't think, I, I know that I saw a blog post of yours that talked about keeping up with Mrs. Jones or, or, or Miss Jones. And I was curious to get your take on what role that, I guess, wealth wealth signals in our society have on, on personal finance. Oh, well, I mean, part of writing that blog post was my whole fascination with the show Sex in the City okay. back in the 2000s, <laughs> which caused a lot of my debt issues. I mean, I was living on the East Coast. I was in my 20s. I was getting my MBA. Um, I had a closet full of shoes and I had no 401k. <laughs> so I was really trying to live this image of, you know, having having it all. And, and you know, the early 2000s were kind of go, go, go until we had the financial crash in the later half of that decade. Right. So it was about appearances. You remember people were putting up houses and Mm -hmm. cars. And I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. And I think reality just set in when I hit my thirties where I was like, what, what do I have to show for this? I have really worked hard and I have nothing. Um, so I think sometimes you get this reality check later on where you realize buying the next thing isn't really making you all that happy. Um, and, what you spend your money on really shows what you're valuing. And I didn't want to value a lot of material stuff. It was just, I mean, just to be practical. It was just taking up too much space. And I just didn't <laughs> want to pay. I didn't want to pay, have to pay to take up that much space. And it just, it got to the point where I realized I wanted to spend money on experiences and things. And I needed to clean up my finances in order to be able to do that. So I think there's this, I had the disillusionment early on, thank goodness, where I had time to kind of clean it up. But I, but I know that there's a lot of people who 
I don't know, still have this thing that they, they, that if they show how wealthy they are, like it, it makes them look better to people. I've actually found that some of the wealthiest people I've known are the ones that drive the beater cars or don't wear the flashy clothes and the people who have the flashy clothes when they, when I talk to them about what I do and what I talk about, they will tell me in private about how much debt they've got racked up. So it's just, it's completely flipped. It's, it's, it's very interesting to watch and to just listen to people. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There was that great book some years ago, The Millionaire Next Door, that sort of detailed what you're talking about of just living within your means, which is not a concept which is celebrated um, in pop culture and social media and things like that. So, Yeah, we have all these entrepreneurs like renting Lamborghinis with like, you know, the cash spread out and everything. And it's I feel like it's cycling back again. <laughs> so I'm going to try to I'm, I'm trying to work to kind of feed against that saying, what do you really want out of life? You can have like there's a there's a blogger I love named Paula Pant and she says you can have anything but you can't have everything. Hmm. I mean there's a limitation. I mean even even Bill Gates can't buy everything. That is an excellent phrase right there. You can have anything but you can't have everything. It, she's she's great. I love <laughs> that phrase. I will attribute it to her though because <laughs> that's where I heard it from. I love it. All right, well you talked about just getting an awareness of your current financial situation. That's a good starting point. Where do you go after that? I think you have to determine what your goal is. Like where, where are you heading? And I know for some people who may be really young, like early 20s, that that just may seem like a big, vast vacuum and they're not really sure. But have some at least short-term goals. What, what, do, you, what do you see for yourself in a year or two years? Do you want to have your debt gone? Do you want to have a handle on where your spending is going and coming? Um, are you trying to build investment? Are you saving for a house? Kind of pick one or two goals that you have, more immediate goals, and see how you can organize your finances um, to help accomplish that. And of course, there's the budget. I like to call it a spending plan because some people find budget to be like a trigger word for them where <laughs> they get really upset about that. I said, okay, let's call it a spending plan. It's you get to decide how to spend your money. Um, so starting with that and kind of giving yourself a framework about where your money is going to go gives you that power and that control back that I think a lot of people lose when they just let their money kind of slip through their fingers. So getting organized is kind of the big key first piece, then setting your goals and then executing a plan on how you're going to reach those goals. I love it. And you're right. Budget is a trigger word. Even <laughs> it, 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 that's, that's the best way to describe it. It's going to give you some kind of a reaction, but once you do it, you do realize that it is empowering and it can give you power and your control back. So well said. Well, excellent. Well, Jessica, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? This may kind of sound revolutionary, but it's worked for me. Don't take the advice of someone, especially money advice, at face value. I think people need to learn about money, and I think you need to decide for yourself if that statement is true or false. I used to listen to a lot of financial gurus I used to try to do what everyone was, you know, said I had to do. And I've I've gone down the path of some of them, but I've also stepped back and said, 
what really makes sense. Question it. Think about it. Take some time to make sure that you're owning what your money values and principles are. I love it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So thank you for that. Uh, And Jessica, thank you for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Um, You can go to my website, everysingledollar.com. I'm also on Facebook. My Facebook page is Every Single Dollar with Jessica Garbarino. And I'm on Instagram, at Jessica Garbarino. Um, And I think I'm on Twitter, too, at Jess Garbarino, because at the time, Twitter didn't like long handles. (laughs) (laughs) You will not put your full name. It wouldn't let me. It just wouldn't (laughs) let me. I had too many letters going on in there. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jessica your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to everysingledollar.com. Find her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you again, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!